With Thanksgiving being on Thursday, I'm reminded of uh, one of the great Thanksgiving Day proclamations that was ever given. And I've read portions of this in the past, but I think it's particularly appropriate to read again with the season that we're in. You may remember that Abraham Lincoln uh, once gave the great Thanksgiving proclamation in the middle of a civil war when the nation was as divided as it could have been, literally, and in half with uh, half just deciding we're not part of you anymore, we're over here. And I want to just read these words before we turn to our scripture because I think it's important to understand why do we even as Americans kind of come back to this now, we understand kind of the pilgrims and this idea that they'd come through and, and made it through the winter and they had Thanksgiving, you know, kind of thanking God for those things. But, but this is, I think, particularly poignant in the days in which we're living. And this is just part of it, but you can find it uh, in its entirety. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, those who are at sea, those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. That kind of frames for us a little bit of our thinking about Thanksgiving. In the Bible, there's not really a, an idea that there's a Thanksgiving holiday, but there is one psalm, and only one, that is actually called the Psalm of Thanksgiving. That's kind of interesting. A lot of psalms have aspects of Thanksgiving in them, but one that is literally a a psalm of thanksgiving, a prayer of thanksgiving. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to it. It's Psalm number 100. And as you turn to that, I want you to think about it in this context. When we went through our renewal conference and our reset book, and if you haven't read the reset book, I think we still have some copies available for you. We'd love for you to stop by the Next Steps desk. You can pick one of those up for free. We had ordered some more. Some of you had missed some of those when I mentioned it not so long ago. But that reset book kind of reminded us about praying through the scriptures. And Psalm 100 is a great scripture for you to pray this week, to pray it as a family. And you can read it, but you can also pray it. And part of the reason that I wanted to read a prayer as we got started is just to remind you that the scripture has prayers in it all throughout the scripture. Some of them are doxologies of praise. We sang a doxology in the middle of that last song. Uh, Paul writes doxologies in the epistles. Uh, I mean, there are just all kinds of passages of scripture that as you read them can just immediately be turned to prayers. And this is one of those. And it, these five short verses really frame for us 
some reasons that we're to be thankful and how to be thankful. And it also gives us some commands in being thankful that I think are important for us. So I want us to read this psalm and then I want us to go back and we're just gonna spend some time today really in a conversation with the Lord and I hope with ourselves to kind of find reasons today that we can be thankful to the Lord and some ways that it's appropriate for us to approach the Lord in thanksgiving. So let's read these five verses together from Psalm 100. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. When I read this psalm, I see four things that we're to do and then a few reasons why we're to do them. And so if we could look at those, we'll see them. They actually just lay out perfectly for us verse by verse as we go through them. So I want you to kind of call your attention back to each one of these verses and tell you these four reasons that we are, these four things that we have to do and then a couple of reasons why we do them. So the four things that we're to do. The first thing that you see when you read verse one is that we're to praise. That's an absolute thing that we're commanded to do in the scripture. We're commanded to praise the Lord. Let's just read that again. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. When I read that verse of scripture, my mind immediately goes to Jesus kind of descending from uh, this area called Bethany right over across the valley, Kidron there and the Mount of Olives and he's gonna come down and you remember that people start taking off their coats and laying them down for him as he's riding on this and do you remember that some of the religious leaders said, whoa, 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 this is out of line. You need to tell them to be quiet and Jesus said, if they keep silent, I'm telling you the rocks are going to cry out. There's this, there's this thing inside of all of creation. And sometimes when I look at creation, I see the groanings of creation. Do you see that? Do you see the groanings when we have earthquakes and famines and those kind of things? But once in a while, you're treated to the splendor of creation. And it just, to me, seems that creation is singing God's praises. And we're told as the whole earth to shout triumphantly to the God, to, to God. It's this, it's this thing of praise that we bring to him and we're commanded to do it. And, and I remind you in this that it, it's not style, it's substance, isn't it? it it's, not, it's not a style of what we do. And, and sometimes people say, well, you know, what do you really prefer? I, all of it. I planned my funeral not long ago. Thought it would be a good thing to do. Right? I mean, why not? You never know. My family is responsible for choosing the music at my funeral because I don't really care. I want it to be happy. I want it to be upbeat. I did pick four people to speak at my funeral, which my family objected to and said that was a little much. But I said there was a lot to say about me. And some, some of you are going to need to be reminded of those things. So if those people are still living, they're going to speak at my funeral, right? But the music, it's up to you. I don't care. I wanted to be happy. I assume that Kirk will pick good songs that praise the Lord. If he's still living, you know, he's a little bit older than me. I don't know. You know, it, sorry, a little shot there. You know, but it doesn't matter, does it? It's not about those kinds of things. It's really about the fact that we come in and we worship the Lord together. And when we raise our voices and we shout to the Lord like that, 
and, and we praise the Lord with those clap offerings. That's an old term that we used to say in the church because you weren't really supposed to clap in church, so we'd say, let's give a clap offering to the Lord. You know those kind of things? When we do those kind of things, that blesses the Lord, doesn't it? It brings a smile to his face because we're obeying the command of Scripture to shout triumphantly to the Lord and just to bless his name. And as we do that, we're encouraging others to join with us to do that and to participate in that. So that's thing number one. We do it. We, we praise the Lord. The second thing that we do, we see in verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. To serve the Lord with gladness. You know, it's funny sometimes. I think that a lot of us as Christians have forgotten that God has saved us from so much that we have a lot to be grateful for and glad for because we walk around a little bit gloomy. A little bit kind of ho-hum. But when you serve the Lord with gladness... It makes a difference. I had the opportunity the other night. We're, we're going to do a family picture this year. Kind of haven't done one in a while and thought it'd be good to actually, you know, I, I really, by the way, all of you who have sent Christmas cards, that's one of my favorite things at our house. We, we put them in a little, a little ring kind of binder thing. We punch a hole in them and we leave them out on our table and we flip through them regularly. So please send them. I love them. I love seeing your families. And I've kind of been telling my wife the same thing. Like, I, th I think we ought to have a family picture. So we did something that I haven't done in a while. We went to the mall because you know what you do is you have to go get an outfit for the family picture, that kind of thing. And while my wife was looking for some things in one store, I had the kids and we went into another store and we were in there for about 15 minutes. And it was a, a sports store. Like we were looking at, at, at tennis shoes. And I recognize that when I walk into those stores nowadays, I don't look like the person who would be buying those shoes. So you may overlook me. You know what I mean? Like it, I've kind of passed through that. No one spoke to us. 15 minutes. No one spoke to us. Now, I don't know. I might not be the person who buys the shoes for me. But I do buy the shoes for thing one and thing two, you know? And nobody spoke to us. So we went to another store, met up with Kathy, and we walked in, and we had the privilege of meeting Aaron. It was late. It was about to close. And Aaron started helping Kathy, and he was talking to us, and he was cheery, and, and he was laughing and, and cutting up, and we were just talking about everything that was going on. And, and Aaron asked me, he said, so what are you going to wear in the family picture? And I was like, actually, probably just a shirt that I have at home from this store. And he was like, oh, okay. And a few minutes later, Aaron brought back a shirt, and he said, hey, would you try this on? I think it would actually go perfect with what your wife going to buy. And you know, I mean, Aaron's pretty sunny and cheery. Why not? What do I have to lose? I went and tried it on. I walked out the store with that shirt. There's a difference, isn't there? When somebody is happy and cheery, we had an opportunity to speak to him afterwards. I just said, thank you for, for serving us in this way. I know that it's the end of the day. I'm sure it's been long for you, but you know, if that applies in retail and we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ as the New Testament tells us we are? Do you think it ought to apply to your countenance? That you should serve the Lord with gladness. When you're at home, you're serving the Lord. When you're here, you're serving the Lord. When you're engaging in serving our students or our children or our senior adults or you're playing an instrument or you're greeting someone in the light, you're serving the Lord. And as we walk around, if we walk around, you know, kind of, oh man, it's such a burden to serve the Lord. Well, that is very attractive. I'm sure a lot of people just want to come right along with us, you know. 
But we have a lot to be thankful for. And the psalmist reminds us, serve the Lord with gladness and do it with joyful songs. You know, you sing songs when you're happy. Have you ever been around somebody that is an incessant whistler? All the time. I had a grandfather who was an incessant whistler. Except he couldn't really whistle. And he kind of went like this. Why did he do it? He was happy. He was happy. When you're singing songs, you're you're happy. When you're grateful, you're you're happy. It, It shows up in your face. And as we serve the Lord in all of these things that we do, we need to be doing it with gladness, with joy. Praise him, serve him. Verse three says, acknowledge or realize something about him. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. To acknowledge or know is to recognize God's rightful place in our lives. It's to acknowledge that he has created us. And there's these two terms that the psalmist used that makes me think, even though this psalm is not necessarily ascribed to David, that it was somebody who was either around David a lot or it was David, because David understood what it was like to be a shepherd. David understood that role. He writes that beautifully for us in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When he talks about these things for us, he kind of outlines for us this beautiful picture of God being the shepherd and us being the sheep of his pasture. Well, that has some some great ramifications for us to understand, doesn't it? Because if God is the sheeper, is the sheeper, is the shepherd, you knew it was going to happen at some point today, didn't you? Do you always just wait for that? Some of you, I feel like you're just waiting for me to stumble over these things, you know, because it provides a little comic relief. Uh, the, the, the sheeper, the shepherd, he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. Do you understand that he provides for you? The shepherd, the good shepherd provides for the sheep. He leads you into these lush green pastures and takes care of you, providing for your physical Needs, But that Psalm, Psalm 23 says that we get to lay down there and rest and have moments of that quiet repose where our souls are restored. Friday I was outside and I just happened to be at a place where I couldn't see a stream but I could hear a stream. I think sometimes that's even better than seeing the stream. It just kind of is quiet and, and it made me think again of Psalm 23. If he's the shepherd, then that tells us that he's constantly protecting us. Aren't you grateful that the Lord protects us from all things that would come against us? That he's fighting a battle for us in the spiritual places that we can't even see? Aren't you grateful that God is doing that? Aren't you grateful that he's the sustainer right now? That he's done those things in our lives? And and I ask you this question, as you prepare for Thanksgiving this year, does that picture take on a little bit different meaning? Provider, protector, sustainer. Does it, does it take on a little bit different meaning? It does for me. As I think about how God has protected us and how he is walking with us and how he's sustaining us in these days in which we're living. So to realize that and to acknowledge that is to every day place God in the rightful place, Lord of your life. To every day acknowledge that he is the Lord. Makes me think of Proverbs Three, five, and six, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. Know him, and he will make your path straight. To realize who he is. 
to put him in the rightful place sets us up for a great day. It sets us up to live in a way where we're not the center of the universe. Shocking, I know. Where he is at the center of our lives. And we're recognizing that we follow the good shepherd. Verse 4 tells us this fourth thing. We praise, we serve, we realize. And then it says that we enter. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. When I read this, I think about an old song. And the first time that I ever heard this song was when a group came to our church called Jews for Jesus. If you've ever heard of Jews for Jesus, what it, what it is, is is Jewish people who, who by ethnicity are Jews who have come to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. And they have a ministry to the people of Israel, the, the Jewish people that are scattered and, and they're evangelists. And they were singing this song, you shall go out with joy and be led forth with praise. The mountains and the fields will break forth before you. There'll be shouts of joy. Now think about that. Entering his courts with joy. Shouts of joy that we come in. And this, this admonition for us to enter this place and worship. I'm so glad that we have live stream. I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Especially with what's had to happen over this last year. I'm so grateful that if you can't be here because you have a medical condition or you're at risk, that you can be at home and participate in this way. I can't imagine what it would have been like if we were just even 10 years ago and didn't have this available to us. I don't know what that would have been like for our church. I think that God has just given us a blessing in that for this season. And it came at the right time and the right season and just that we needed it. And I'm grateful for that. But there's a scriptural admonition for us to enter the the, the courts, to enter the gates with thanksgiving, with praise. Those things are, are commanded of us to come and do. It's not optional for a believer. This isn't, if I, can, if I choose to do this, I can do it. This really for us becomes something that is important. We come together and we worship together in our church family. And I'm grateful that we're able to do this because it's something that sometimes we can take for granted, isn't it? That, that we're able to do this. We have the freedom to do it. That we have the ability to do it. I'm grateful that we can do it. And every time I come in here and I hear your voices raise the roof, as you sing these, these great songs of praise, as we worship together, as I hear the music, I'm grateful for that, that we're following that. We, we're told to enter his courts with thanksgiving. We're told to do that with praise. And it says to give him thanks and to praise him. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time that you truthfully stopped and just thank the Lord. I think that's harder and harder to do, especially today, than it's ever been. I think part of the reason that it's harder to do is because you never turn off your mind to let your spirit speak. Here's what I mean by that. We now have the ability to be constantly surrounded by noise. Now, noise can be things that we're hearing, certainly. Uh, you can listen to a thousand podcasts this week. Uh, you can listen to a thousand sermons this week. I, I don't encourage you to do that. You don't need to do that. Find one or two if you must. 
You, you can watch YouTube videos. You, you can constantly have the screen on. But it's not just what we hear, it's what we see that doesn't allow our minds to turn off. How many of you would say today, let's not even raise our hands, I don't want to be embarrassed. Do you really trust the media? All the media? Which media? Do you trust Twitter or have you gone to the Twitter alternative? I mean, I mean I'm telling you, it's everywhere. And our minds never turn off. Solomon, I think it was in Ecclesiastes, said this writing of books has no end and knowledge has no end. It just keeps going and going and going and going. And when you don't ever turn this off and turn these off, you never stop long enough for the Lord to speak to you. I want to ask you to do something as you prepare for Thanksgiving this week. Would you tomorrow turn off your screens and take a fast? Now, I realize you may have Zoom calls at work. You may have, you know, school that you have to do online. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about just for the consumption of garbage media. Just turn it off. Reset a little bit. And just maybe let the Spirit come alive and the mind kind of grow a little bit quiet so that you'll prepare yourself for Thanksgiving. Now, I think about Thanksgiving preparations in terms of what are we going to eat? Are you going to make my favorite pie, mama? Are you going to have the dressing, the little homemade rolls? Kathy, are you going to make that butternut squash thing that we like? Are you going to be able to do that? I mean, all those kind of things that we talk about, that, that is one side of preparation but really, when was the last time you stopped and thanked the Lord? We're going to do it in a minute. But before we do that, David gives us the why behind all of this. I want us to read verse 5. For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever, his faithfulness through all generations. The Lord is Good. Do you know what that means? It means he was good in the past. He's good in the present. He'll be good in the future. He has been good to us. We think about some of these things that remind us of how he's been good to us. His word is good to us. When we read his word, what he tells us to do is good and it is true and it is uh, life-giving to us. It doesn't take away life. It breathes life into us and helps us to know which way we should turn, whether the right or the left. We know which way to walk when we're in his word. We know that how he rules this earth is good. And we declare that he is good even when we see that some circumstances seem to be unfavorable or we're not really happy about certain things that are going on. We can still say that the Lord is good and all things from his hand and his will, they are all good. In fact, Romans chapter 12 asks that we might know what is the good will of the Lord, pleasing and good will of the Lord. That's important for us, that God's will is good for our lives, that he's been good to us as he has shepherded us, as he has led us, that God is good and he declares it. Sometimes we just need to say it. God is good and remind ourselves of that. 
The psalmist then says that his faithful love endures forever. That song that we sang uh, at the very beginning of the worship set this morning, talking about the faithful love of the Lord and how it endures forever. And I think this is perhaps the quality of God that we most often run to. We just love it, don't we, that, that God is love. Aren't you glad that God is love? Good point for say amen. Right, God's love. That's so good that God is love and that he has showered his love upon us. But when I think about that his love endures forever, I'm reminded that God has loved us from the beginning. And what that means is that God loved you while you were still in your sin. He loved me while I was still lost in my sin. That God loved us while he was drawing us into salvation. While he was using friends and sermons and books and circumstances. And all of those things that were conspiring against our will to stay away from him. God was drawing us and loving us because he's loved us with an everlasting love. And God loved us that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us and that he paid a debt that wasn't his and died in our place. And that's the enduring love of the Lord on display for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the ungodly. That's who we were. And then the scripture tells us that God continues to love us. Aren't you glad that God loves you after you've messed up? Oh, man. Don't you wish that the Christian life started low and kind of went like this? (laughs) It doesn't though, does it? Your life ebbs and flows. There's ups and downs. There's moments where you feel so locked into God's purposes in your life and then moments where you feel so far away from his purposes in your life because he's dealing with you about an attitude or a sin or or he's trying to to shape you a little bit more and, and it just feels painful because you feel like you're doing this roller coaster ride and God loves us even still. His love endures. And aren't you glad that God's love is going to endure for you on the day of judgment? You'll be there. You don't get to escape it just because you're a believer. We go before the throne of judgment. But aren't you glad at the end of that that the final verdict will be love? Because when we who are in Christ die, We're covered by the blood of Christ, our name's written in the Lamb's book of life, and that love endures. So it's not just that God loves us in the past or that God loves us now, but that God continues to love us throughout all eternity, and he's made a place for us, and his love enduring there allows us to live with him in perfect fellowship and be with him forever. It carries us through. And then it says, he has been faithful throughout all generations. That could mean a lot of things. If you're reading this from the Jewish perspective, perhaps, it might mean that he's been faithful to you as a people throughout all generations. As a believer, I read it with a little bit different, maybe, context. I think about his faithfulness to offer salvation to all generations. Aren't you grateful that God has not shut the window on salvation. Aren't you grateful that the gospel still applies today to those who would be far away from him? They're really just as close as a step towards him because when they turn and take that step towards him, he meets them there. His faithfulness through all generations means that it's by faith that we've been saved. Abraham, justified by faith. Noah, justified by faith. Cain and Abel, justified by faith. The scripture says Abel's brought this sacrifice 
uh, that was better by faith. And we went through that in, in the Heroes Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. You remember this year as we went through those things that faith was at work and it's still faith that saves you today. And if you've never given your life to Christ, the gospel is simply this, that God has loved you with an everlasting love. And his faithfulness towards you means that he extends an invitation to you today to be saved because he loves you. How are you saved? It's when a person repents of their sins and receives grace and salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ who died in our place. And the Bible says that if you call on his name today, you'd be saved. That's faithfulness through all generations. As I think about that, I'm so grateful that God is patiently waiting for sinners to come home today. The Bible says that God is not slack concerning his promises, but it's patient, desiring that all should come to repentance. I'm grateful that the Lord's patience is still on display today. The fact that we're here, the fact that he hasn't called us home, means that there's still time, still an opportunity. And you know what? I'm grateful today that the ancient paths are still discernible. Have you ever walked in the woods and seen what looked like an old path. I love riding around. Sometimes if you ever get a chance to ride over here on the Natchez Trace, you'll see off to the side these kind of look like road beds that would have been there. And it just makes me think about people riding around and horses and, and, and people taking those ancient paths. And sometimes they are still discernible as you're out and about and you can see them. And I'm grateful that the ancient path is still discernible today. Because the Holy Spirit is illuminating the path for us. So what are we thankful for? Could we just take a moment and just look back on the last year? I'm thankful for our renewal conference. God did something in that that started something for us in prayer. I'm grateful for that reset that so many of you joined with us and participated in this year. I'm certainly grateful for the ability that we have to live stream. I'm grateful for our, our ministry team who's helped us uh, make some of these decisions through the year. That's my accountability group. Uh, and, and they have been a sounding board through those decision-making processes that we've gone through. And I'm so grateful for them. I'm grateful for our medical advisory team, some of whom are in the room today. We're grateful for your sound judgment and wisdom for us. I'm grateful for our finances this past year. We just closed a year out in September in which we didn't meet our budget, but we barely missed last year's giving. I mean, by like 1.4%. If you'd have told me that at the beginning of a pandemic, that we wouldn't have to slash things and staff, we didn't know. But I'm grateful for our staff during this time. I'm grateful for our weekday. And, and this is just a praise. We were told early on that our weekday should expect to have to shut down between 10 and 14 days multiple times through the fall. And we haven't had to do it once. Thank God for that. That's just a blessing for that. 
I'm grateful that we were able to keep all of our staff, keep all of our weekday staff. I'm grateful for the miracle gift that we received for the building this year. We prayed for that and God answered that. And who would have thought that in a year where we were in pandemic, you would say that we had eliminated over a half million dollars from a building debt. That's crazy. Praise God for that. I'm grateful for every one of our global focus partners being funded last year and again this year. Praise God for that. We haven't had to cut ties with any of them. We were able to keep them going and sustain them. I'm really grateful, and and not to the exclusion of any of our other staff because I've mentioned them, but I think you'll understand what I mean by this. I'm grateful for Pastor Rich. Pastor Rich started the week before we shut down. And I'm grateful that we found him before we shut down. Praise God for that because that was a missing piece that we had on our staff as we had moved things around. And we now have a fully operational staff for you, the church, to disciple and to work with. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we found a way to do Awana this year, even though it's been virtual. I'm grateful that we had a virtual VBS. I was so grateful that my two little friends from the street came over to our house and we had VBS with them. It was a fun time to be together and to do it in a different way, a way that I never would have thought that we would do VBS before, but I was grateful for that opportunity. I'm grateful for all of our student groups, including our our college students and post-grads. Our students have continued to meet and our post-grads and college students have started a new initiative where they've been meeting in something called the tent. We'd ordered a tent. I don't know if you've tried to order a tent this year. Bad timing. Didn't come in. So we kept the name, moved them inside. Uh, and they've, they've continued to meet. And, and it's given some of our staff and some of our lay leadership opportunities to minister and speak into those uh, lives of our students and our postgrads. I'm grateful for our adult groups, for every one of you who have met by Zoom all year, for those of you who are in our senior adult groups and you've come to the middle of the week, you've tried Wednesday nights, you've tried Tuesday afternoons, you've tried all these things. Thank you for that. I'm so grateful to God that we've been able to do that. I'm grateful that we were able to have time change, even though it was about seven months later than we anticipated. Still were able to do that and it worked out. I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful for our media and communications team. Thank you guys for all that you have done this year. We really appreciate you guys. We appreciate Presley and all that she's done. I'm grateful this year that we have recorded salvations. Praise God for that. That people have been changed. I'm grateful for our music ministry adapting. You've seen them do it over and over every week as they've tried different things and and different ways of doing these things. I'm grateful for your flexibility for the most part, right? Can I ask a question? I thought about this as I was making this list. How many of you, your pew has been unavailable because it's been a grace space all year and it bothers you? (laughs) Anybody wanna just fess up? See, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. You know, maybe we should reorder after the Thanksgiving break and, and like skip every other pew going from front. To, I mean, I don't know. It, I realize that's hard, isn't it? But thank you for your flexibility. Thanks for understanding that this is all in motion and we're just trying to figure it out. I'm grateful for God's grace and his patience in sustaining us. And I'm grateful that his love endures forever. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing before I make our closing announcements today. So would you bow your heads and pray with us? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. 
Lord, we thank you for this church that we get to be a part of. And Father, I'm just reminded today that we're such a small part of the enormous history of this church. Thank you for that. Thank you for those that have come before us and those who will come after us. Thank you that your faithful love endures forever. Father, as we sing this song of thanksgiving today, would you receive it as an offering of our praise? Lord, you're our shepherd. We are your people. Thank you for taking care of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.